Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome to the China Shop. Come on inside. We're open up special store hours with the amazing team at Order Flow Labs. I'm shopkeeper Dan. With me is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. Kyle, on a scale of one to completely drugged out of your mind, how excited are you today? <laughs> I am sober. <laughs> I assure you, I am not high. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Kyle's Marty McFly. Wait, that- I'm your bald high school principal, and we're proud to welcome Doc Brown. I mean, sorry, Flary. Are you, are you ready to get back to the futures? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're starting with a bang here, huh? Yeah, yeah, always. Oh, always. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, any big news coming out of Order Flow Labs you'd like to share, Flurry? Well, I mean, uh, last time we talked, we launched our um, OFL suite of tools on MotiveWave. So just, you know, kind of a reminder there that we are now live on MotiveWave, NinjaTrader, and um, Sierra Charts. Um, nice. And that's been going really well. We've got a, lo- a lot of people coming in from MotiveWave. There's a lot of uh, futures traders that kind of gravitate to that platform. Uh, very intuitive, very easy to use. And uh, you can use it with uh, Mac or Apple products, I think. Um, that, that's that been pretty cool. And, um, you know, some new, some new studies coming out um, and just some enhancements to some existing ones and some things like that. So, um, you know, kind of business as usual and just excited to be able to continue to share and, and get people some of these, uh, some of these tools. So. Appreciate you asking. You just had a new one come out, didn't you? Yeah, they uh, they just launched or just dropped the uh, Joe Pivots Weekly, um, as well as just some like enhancement uh, automation type uh, studies for extending ranges and some things like that, so that you can kind of connect a couple of your areas of interest and um, just kind of utilize some some draw styles and things to just kind of make charting a little bit easier. But uh, next week, or by the time this is airing, um, we're also making some of our other studies dynamic. So I know you like to use the better delta. Um, that study will be dynamic, so that it's just constantly update to the market's uh, new volatility. Mm and ranges and stuff like that. So, you know, just kind of continuing to enhance and make what we're already doing uh, that much better and bring in some new tools to the table as well. You guys have also been doing a lot more content too. I think you guys have a blog that started up. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of live streams on Wednesdays. Yeah. Leo's been putting um, some blog stuff together. I'm working on a blog post right now. I'm pretty excited about that. will come out here pretty, pretty soon. Um, kind of loosely calling it averaging for dummies. Uh, talking about how actually averaging to a to a losing trade, um, you know. Although I think it, it's sort of a double edged sword, right? Like it, it, we average to trades, we, we or you know we do things that we probably shouldn't to trades, but we don't really understand the math behind how bad it is for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a, a data driven uh, blog post about like how bad averaging is. So averaging for dummies, um, and you know just giving people a a chance to sort of prepare for 
the inevitable bad decisions uh, versus like, I feel like we always prepare for good things to happen. Like, what am I going to do when I'm in this great winning trade? Well, what do you do when you're starting to make bad decisions? So just kind of covering some of the math about that. But yeah, the blogs have been really cool. They, they'll continue to come out. Like you said, uh, streaming, uh, trying to stream every Wednesday, summer months might be a little bit tougher, but um, you know, trying to do the live stream thing on Wednesdays as well on our YouTube channel. So it's been, been really fun. Yeah, right, Make sure you guys check that out. Cause there's a lot of great stuff coming up. Yeah. All right. Should we, uh, should we move on to, to this month's discussion? And actually we can, we could start with Joel's question too, actually, cause I think it's kind of applicable. Um, what was the homework for episode one? <laughs> That's a good question <laughs> considering we're here on episode two. Uh, so I think last time we, we spoke, uh, we left sort of the, the group, uh, and ourselves with the challenge to read markets and profile. Or, or just some version of a market profile book. There's a few of them out there. Um, specifically, you know, I talked about markets and profile from James Dalton. Uh, and then, you know, the homework was to read that and just kind of have some general um, understandings of what market profile, auction market theory, and a TPO chart is. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this this uh, this session, I think we're going to kind of discuss some of those uh, broader topics, and you know, hopefully, in, in future episodes, kind of dive into maybe a little bit more of the nuance as well. All right. Uh, and then I think we also looked a little bit too at some of the Kelly Criterion uh, risk models for the accounts right. uh, and that. I don't know if that's going to get covered this week, though, because I think markets and profiles probably got to cover most of it. It's a lot to cover there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, so one of the big things that the book kind of opens up with is talking about the difference between value and price. And I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective or take on it, because a lot of times we do focus on just the price of the underlying asset, but markets and profiles shows you a way to kind of figure out where the value is and how it's building that value. Like, where is the value at? How is that value moving? And then using that to inform your trading decisions. Yeah, I think, you know, even to kind of back up a little bit further than that, like Mm -hmm. in general, uh, you know, Market profile or market profiling is, you know, first of all, it's using a, a a tool or a study called a TPO chart or time price opportunity. And so in that TPO chart, essentially, uh, the standard setting would be um, each each profile um, is assigned a letter. So typically you'll see them with letters. Sometimes you see them with blocks, but you know, A period, you'll hear people say that a lot, like A period, B period, or M period, which is the last period of the day. Each one of those periods uh, gets sort of a letter in this profile that it's building. So you know, the, mm-hmm. the first 30 minutes would be A period. And then sequentially, each 30 minutes after that is just a following letter. So you have like A period, B period, C period, so on and so forth until you get to sort of the end of the cash session. And so um, that that TPO chart or the profile, uh, as most call it, you know, gets built throughout the day. Um, there's some profile types which we can talk about uh, as well in the conversation, but um, you know, that's sort of the main tool, right? So we have this profile that's being built from the TPOs or those time price opportunities, and then inside that profile, there's uh, you know, to your point, you know, there's some things that we can sort of glean, and the main one kind of being uh, that value or value area. Um, so typically on a profile, you'll have the value area that, that will either color the letters a different color um, or potentially, um, you know, just have lines extending from it as, as like a point of reference or something like that, depending on your platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but that value basically is representing uh, one standard deviation of where have we spent the most time. 
Um, and so value is sort of another way to just say like, what is the most fair or what is the most traded price of the day? And so value area high obviously would be the edge of that value area low. And then we have what's called the point of control or the POC, um, which is that most traded price. And so the, the POC, you know, in theory um, is sort of like that fair value point, or, you know, that's why they call it that point of control. And so, you know, again, from an auction theory perspective, we have this way to sort of track um, where have market participants spent the most time. And then, you know, from an auction theory perspective, uh, those those points where they've spent the most time, um, which, you know, if you think about the way these profiles would build, um, if we have A period that's overlapped by B period, that's overlapped by C period, you'll start to get this um, sort of HVN or high volume node. Um, as it would sort of start to protrude out as, as these periods are overlapping. And so, um, you know, we can start to see where market participants are spending the most amount of time that kind of creates that fair value. And then, you know, from that, we can start to glean some other things such as like, what, what can we expect if we get above value? What kind of things should we look for from market participants? What kind of activity can we expect if we open at or uh, near uh, the previous day's value and, and some of those things like that? But, you know, kind of to circle back, the, the core of this market profiling or auction theory is um, sort of finding some trade ideas in and around um, that concept of fair value, which mm -hmm. would, again, be where the market spent the most time during the session. Right. Okay. So you mentioned the TPO chart itself, but it, it looks a lot to me like just a typical volume profile chart. <laughs> and now when this guy came up with the, the, the TPO chart to begin with, the volume was not something that was easily accessible. They either had to estimate it or wait for the close to get that data. Right. So does it still make sense to use the TPO chart itself or could you just get away with using like a daily profile? Well, that's a heated argument, I would guess, uh, depending on depending on who you ask. Um, I didn't mean to start, start sharing. <laughs> you got your beef. Uh, well, I, so like for me, I have the TPO chart up and then, you know, I use Sierra charts and, and right next to that TPO, it'll also print a volume profile. And I look at them side by side because... Um, just because we've spent the most time in an area doesn't mean we've built the most volume in an area. And mm. um, there's certainly some things that you could learn from, you know, looking at these things side by side. But for the most part, they're relatively interchangeable. The concepts are interchangeable. They both have value areas. They both have point of controls. They both basically develop what we would call uh, high volume nodes or HVNs and low volume nodes or LVNs or some version of that, depending on who's mm -hmm. literature you're reading. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, does it make a massive difference? difference? No. Um, you know, you could probably exchange uh, one or the other. I think the, the thing with the TPO chart is the ability to sort of expand or, you know, sort of stretch out that, that profile and to be able to look at it in that 30 minute increment. So when you're bringing that time factor into it, mm -hmm. whereas volume profiles typically are just looking at volume at price or, you know, I think Sierra calls it like a volume by price. So you don't yeah. have that element of time that's creating, um, you know, a couple of different things, whether it's that HVN, LVN, uh, single prints, or or even um, you know one time framing, which we've got a trend day up today for the most part, um, and there was some good one time framing as well. But you miss out on how the price moved through from those those areas. 
Correct. Yeah. So you lose you lose the element of time uh, in a volume profile, but essentially uh, you're going to see a lot of overlap. Like an HVN on a volume profile is typically going to be an HVN on a uh, on a TPO chart. But you know, the TPO is the tool that's used for for the book that we are reading. But the concepts, I think, is the core of what it really wanted to kind of discuss and and some of those core concepts and how we can start to get an idea of how the market moves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of to go back to the book, you know, one of the one of the the big things about this market auction theory and and really why I wanted to share this as like a foundation is, you know, understanding how price moves um in this auction and um you know, although it doesn't necessarily generally relate exactly to this TPO chart and a market profile, the concept of market auction theory is looking at, um, you know, one, that fair value, but also like the way that price moves in and around the day. And so typically, and, and you probably read this in the book, you know, markets are always going to go from a state of balance to imbalance and then mm-hmm. back to balance. And so it's this kind of rotation back and forth between this journey. Um, you know, we just had, I think, an eight day balance and we broke out of that balance. And when we break out of balance, it typically looks like imbalance. And so you'll get trend days or these um, elongated profiles. As we break from balance, we go to imbalance. And that that is representing basically uh, leaving a, pr- a place of fair pricing, right? A mm-hmm. balance is fair price or value. And then when we leave that price, that price is no longer being accepted and there's price discovery. So they have to kind of discover where the next place where balance will occur. And that, that discovery process um, looks like imbalance. And, you know, you get days like today, um, you know, which is a trend day up. And so, um, you know, that, that movement between f- or from balance to imbalance and back to balance is sort of at the core um, of at least the way that I look and interpret the work around auction market theory, um, you know, finding that new point of fair value, whether it's a multi-day balance or just a, in, in, uh, like an intraday profile, you know, the same kind of concepts work, whether you're looking at, say, you know, a week, uh, like we had that eight-day balance or just today. Uh, you know, which, you know, is, is sort of a trend type profile and, and there's a balance near the top of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, that, that journey from balance to imbalance, um, that search for the new fair value and the fair price. And then, you know, kind of lastly, like, what does an auction process actually look like? And I think um, one of the, the key concepts of that is that auctions will always end in an excess. And this is a key mm-hmm. concept also for market profiling. Um, you'll, you'll hear about two versions of excess if you're reading, um, you know, sort of any of the literature. And typically that excess is um, at, the, at the top or the bottom of a profile. And so um, I think, you know, technically excess is probably defined as like two ticks of excess to be a clean finish to an auction. And, and the idea there is that, you know, in that process of trying to find like how, like, let's just say it's an up auction, right? So we're, we're auctioning upwards mm-hmm. as there's still buyers, um, you know, willing to pay say 600 and then they're willing to pay 625 and they're willing to pay 650. Um, you know, the auction is sort of still going up. And so if buyers are still willing to buy at higher prices, why would sellers start to step in on that? If buyers continue to push up, so you know there's more demand and prices pushing up. Well, when you get to a certain point, you know the prices get to be sort of unfair, 
right? And you know, like today's version would be like right up at eleven thousand six sixty six ish or six seventy in in NQ. And we got to a point where there was there was no more uh, there was no more buyers. And so then you know that that burst up and that last push creates that excess, and that sort of signifies the end of an auction. And when an auction ends, obviously then a new one can start. And so if we had an auction that started on the open today, which was mm-hmm. Tuesday, uh, six twenty one. Uh, you know that auction started in A period and it sort of ended in C period. And so for three uh, three periods or about an hour and a half, they auctioned upwards. Um, they found the point where there was no more buyers interested, and if there's no more buyers, sellers now have to start to sort of come down and start to sell lower because if they were able to sell higher and sell higher and sell higher and now all of a sudden you know there's no buyers well what do you have to do to go find more buyers you have to you know push price lower right and so you know if if you can't sell 11,670 anymore well now you got to sell you know 650 and you got to sell 625 and you know that shift in one auction starting and ending and a new auction starting you know, is is something that's that's really key to being able to kind of understand uh, what phase of the auction that you're in, and you know how you can start to uh, you know sort of position against those things. Um, you know, the concept of one time framing is is sort of in that same same idea, um, and one time framing would be like each thirty minutes is progressing higher. So a period. Uh, high and low. Um, then we go into B period, and B period holds the low and puts in a new high. We're one time framing higher. C mm-hmm. period holds B period low and puts in a new high. We're one time framing higher. And so, you know, again, we can start to you know glean some information about how the auction is progressing on multiple time frames, whether it's a low time frame or or higher time frame. And so, I, you know, again, I think understanding the way that a market actually works from a mechanics perspective is is really key, and I, I do think that markets markets in profile or market profile in general does a good job of sort of visualizing that because um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a hard concept to to read in a book, um, but when you see it on the profile, you know it, it becomes very clean and very clear. And um, you know today um, there, there's really not that much excess. There might be two ticks. My profile is uh, pretty condensed right now, but you know that high that's up there today. Um, the the C and D period is basically at the same price, and so you know if if we know an auction ends in excess and we have price uh, in C and D period that is at the same, that would be basically a weak high um, or a poor high, um, and that that is indicative that the auction is not done and that there's more more room to move higher. And so, wait a minute. Can you explain that a little, a little more? So that's what a poor high is. Yeah. So you you basically you have a poor high and you have a weak high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So the difference basically just being, um, so a weak high is like is something that ends at an exact level. So like uh-huh. let's say you know, the high of today is exactly the high of yesterday. That would be considered a weak high. Um, So, you know, your market generated kind of information type levels. Uh, Today's low is exactly, uh, you know, yesterday's value area high or something like that. Um, A poor high or low is an exact top. So a lack of excess. 
And so a poor high or low is indicative that the, that the auction process is not complete. And so again, um, here I can actually, let me just expand the profile. I'll tell you if today is actually, um, and so the book defines that as two ticks of excess, you know, it's really probably a discretionary thing. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's how you would decide that, but, um, typically two ticks of excess is enough to complete an auction. And today's auction, no, so today is a poor high. C and D period are basically the exact same high. And so, you know, according to auction market theory, this auction to the upside has not been completed. And they, and, you know, you can, you can look at that from two ways. Uh, Either there's still more buying to do. um, And, you know, so a poor high um, can be two things, right? There, you know, we'll revisit this and potentially there's more buying to be done because the auction's not finished. Or you can also get a poor high from buyers sort of exhausting and they're not able to push through those levels. And, you know, that's why typically you can see after a poor high or a poor low, for that matter, um, the market will will typically reverse for, you know, at least some short period of time. Um, Mm -hmm. And and again, we'll we'll usually revisit that that spot. There's unfinished business at a poor or uh, a poor high. Interesting. That's the best explanation I think I've heard of. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one to look out for too. Um, you know, and again, like building this idea of like, where could we go? Um, you know, one of the conversations I was having just before we jumped on was, uh, you know, everybody asking kind of like, well, where do we finish the day today? Well, you know, we have a poor high. We could, we could still go try to take that out. We're running out of time here a little bit in today's auction, but you know, that's, that's definitely a point that, you know, from a market profile perspective, you would keep that on your chart. So mm-hmm. even, even if we open tomorrow um, and, and that poor high is still there, that's an area that we can expect to try to revisit sometime in the near future. And so, you know, they, they become, you know, sort of that market profile area of interest, those poor highs. So it's almost like in order for an auction to com- to, to complete, you almost need like a few people getting really screwed. <laughs> exactly. Like somebody's yes. got to take home I, the artwork that's way overpriced yep some somebody bought the top and uh t- you know typically that is that like you know retail like initiative push that blasts through a high and then there's just nobody there mm-hmm. right there's no follow-through and those guys get sort of left you know holding the bag if you will uh yeah and so you know again to kind of circle back the you know the idea of auction market theory is is that process from you know completing it starting an auction and completing it and then starting another auction whether that's a daily auction a weekly auction a 30-minute auction which is you know what the profile would be showing um, or even you know on the lower time frame i think that's a key thing and why it's so important to understand this concept because it's it's fractal all the way down and mm-hmm. and really you'll see these patterns um, that we'll talk about here across multiple different time frames whether it's a daily profile File, whether it's a 512 tick chart on, on NQ, you're going to see this process of moving from balance to imbalance and back to balance um, and that journey back and forth. And, and, you know, not only does the market move in that same ebb and flow, but it also moves from previous balance areas through a process of imbalance and typically to a, a, um, a new balance area that was, you know, at or near a previous one. And so, um, you know, I think from from a fractal perspective, that's really key to understand. And, you know, I think you'll hear a lot of people talk about like, you know, you want to have balance as a backstop. So, you know, trade mm-hmm. entry, um, as we pull into an area on a 512 tick chart, that was a previous balance. They spent time there, whether it was, a, you know, five minute, 30 minutes, whatever. 
you know, price accepted this area, when we move away from that and form an imbalance, if we pull back into that area, you know, you can now use that area as, you know, sort of support and resistance. And mm-hmm. on a profile, typically that would look like an HBN or something like that. And on a profile, imbalance typically looks like an LBN. So, you know, again, this idea of an auction process and what that looks like uh, without going into like kind of the nuance of, you know, buying higher in supply and demand and things like that, you know, essentially it's like if we're going up and we're going up quickly, there's still buyers who are interested in pushing this price higher. And so if, if I'm willing to pay five and you're willing to pay seven and I want to still get back in this market, now I have to pay eight and if somebody mm-hmm. will pay nine. And so that, that's what kind of creates these pushes that we'll see on, you know, on trend days. And so, um, you know, this, this process of, you know, uh, an auction starting in, and finishing is, is a key concept. Um, you know, we talked about fair value. So that's like time spent in that value area, which is showing you where one standard deviation of today's auction or, you know, a multiple days auction, week, month auction um, has spent their time. The next piece that he talks about that I think is also pretty key to understand is being able to kind of determine what type of market participants are in the market based on the yes. way that the market is moving. And so, you know, in the book, he kind of defines it as, I, I believe, like early adapters and laggards or late adapters uh, innovators and it, yeah innovators yeah. Is, is another one yeah so that you know the innovators those are the ones that are kind of getting in there first right and yep. um, typically those innovators are going to be people who are capable of putting in bottoms and tops um, you know so not us <laughs> banks uh, hedge <laughs> right, funds right. institutions of some nature um, and those those leaders, those early adapters, they're typically taking you know more risk because they're jumping into a market at, at an area where they're hoping to be able to obviously you know turn it around if they're going to deploy a bunch of capital. Um, and then you know you have these laggards or the late folks, which is typically like retail that are trying to kind of ride this wave. And you know on a day like today where um, the market is blasting through some of these very typical levels such as like overnight high or um, mm-hmm. yesterday's value area like these you know these MGI type levels that we all look at well what kind of market participants don't care about where VWAP is or don't care about where uh, previous days high is or overnight high well large market participants who are relatively price insensitive and so you know they just they want to keep buying today i'm buying i have got orders to fill so i'm buying and and i don't care if i'm buying here or if i'm buying you know at half back or you know all of these sort of mechanical levels and then in the inverse to that you know you have what kind of market participants would be buying things like you know half back of a of a of a period or, you know, VWAP or previous days high, previous days low, these sort of mechanical levels are typically uh, trade locations for retail trades or, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, sort of small timeframe traders. And so, you know, you have that concept of like, what kind of market participant does it take to start to move, um, move price, uh, you know, create these new distributions or these new balance areas. And, you know, you have sort of the folks that are just kind of trying to come along for the ride. Um, and typically those laggards are going to be what caused the excess, right? So right. if you were, if you were the momentum buyer and you're buying and, and the move already happened and you're like, oh, look at me, I'm going to get in here too. We're going to break high of day. 
well, the innovators, uh, they're already in their positions. They're not going to help you push through this thing if, if they don't want to. Um, right. And if they don't, <laughs> you get stuck holding that bag. And that's where we get things like excess and things like that. So, um, you know, there's also some of that concept there that I think that's important. And again, something that I would um, continue to kind of look into of just understanding, you know, the idea that there is early adapters or innovators, and then there's the laggards or people that are late to the market and, and how they can be responsible for both creating excess uh, on lows and highs, depending on which way the auction's going. He talked about um, two particular shapes, uh, the P and B, when the, the TPO chart forms like a capital P or a lowercase B is being indicative of intermediate term players stepping in. Is that is that what you're referring to? Or is that how you're able to determine? Like, how do you know that that's law or a different time frame buying at that point? Is it because it's not at a specific price point and it's kind of spread out over like the, the, the range that that P shape is forming? Is it just the volume that's, that's showing up with it? Like what, what is exactly? So a handful of things, um, you know, one, you never know. Um, and, and really you don't need to. Um, I, I think the, from a from a day type perspective or a profile shape perspective, there's some things that you can sort of infer from that. So, you know, a P shape profile, um, you know, can happen on days where uh, shorts are covering. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you get basically shorts who are like getting either blasted out, uh, which is, you know, what today kind of looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get sort of like that initiative push. Um, and then once we push up into an area and we left sort of like an area that, that shorts were in, uh, you know, they're going to have to start to, to sort to cover into this area. And that's where you get this like T-shaped type profile. The same thing on a B-shaped profile, but the opposite. Um, as far as like being able to infer which type of market participants are there, I think one of the things that I would look for is, you know, if if larger players wanted to come in on a day where we open above the previous day's value area on a gap, which is what happened today, and we shoot out of the open uh, and we have, you know, sort of excess in a period. um, You could probably argue whether some people will say a period or single prints or not because it's the first period, but either Mm -hmm. way, you know, we have singles, right. Um, And we sort of are blasting through some of those big areas like previous days highs or, um, you know, overnight high, things like that, you can start to infer that, you know, there's some larger market participants that are pushing this market up. And, you know, as we continue to take out some of those key levels and, you know, we keep pushing higher, you know, push higher base, push higher base, like that, those kind of things, you know, you can, you can kind of see that there's some bigger players at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to like zoom out and look at say multiple days worth of a profile, um, especially like this week, um, if you went and looked even from like this week into last week, we started to migrate value higher, which is another yeah. concept of, um, you know, sort of this auction theory is, you know, what kind of what kind of market participants does it take in order to move price from, say, like a balance area at the lows, which, were you know, we had a two day balance at the, the yearly lows. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, value is is migrating higher. And so, you know, from value area high to value area low, um, I believe it was actually even fully gapped up higher. Um, so, you know, value is migrating higher multiple days in a row after a period of potentially, you know, value sort of migrating lower. That's that's indicative that there's a change happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, us retail traders are typically not the kind of traders that are capable of moving value higher. Yeah, we went from, so on Thursday, 616, 
uh, we had value that was, you know, at basically the low of the year. Um, right. And then the next day it was overlapping to higher and just barely overlapping. And then the holiday overlapping to higher. And now right. today it's gapped up and higher. And we opened above that, that uh, two day balance on a gap and value is, you know, now again, migrating higher. And so, you know, there's some things there that you can also infer for what type of market participants does it take to be able to sort of move value Um you know, away from an area and create that imbalance because typically imbalance is going to be created when you know a group of a group of larger time frame or other time frame type traders no longer find that price that we were just at fair, and so they're going right. to go on a price ex- exploration. I also noticed when I'm looking at this this profile charts too, the three days before the lows were put in, the balance area that was defined there to the balance area where the low was at was much smaller gap than. The run up through that area, it wasn't quite overlapping, but you could see that the momentum was slowing down as this bottom, this temporary bottom at least, was put in. Mm-hmm. And I think that was another one of the key concepts too. And it wasn't about like trying to look for like the way he described his trading process was it wasn't that he was looking for like oh this would be a great place to go long. It was more that no this is a terrible place to go short. There's too much risk here to be short. So now I'll look for longs because of that. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting way of explaining his trading process. Yeah, it's almost like a filter, um, the way that I kind of interpret it from, from him as well, of like a gauge for probabilities um, mm. based upon, you know, what are the profile? How is the profile um, sort of continuing to evolve? What state are we in? Are we in balance? Are we in imbalance? Um, and what, what type of participants are are you know theoretically in the market? And I think you know, again, they, some of it too is he was kind of putting themselves in the minds of both sides rather than just trying to think like, what do I want to do? Like, right. He, he took the time to think like, mm, if I was selling right now, would I be very happy? <laughs> well, and I think that's kind of the journey that we want, right? Like we want to yeah. we want to surf, we want to ride those waves of of the larger time frame or other time frame market participants, and the more that we can get that wind at our back. Um, you know, the easier time that we're going to have. And I think we all know what it feels like to try to fade uh, a move <laughs> like today. Um, Just you know, because we've all done it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it's that like those other time frame players, I mean, they're, you know, like today, they're bid.exe. They're just, they're going. Um, mm-hmm. they, they don't care. They're, they're just trying to get in and they're going to pay whatever price they need to. They, they've either got orders to fill or a trade idea to complete. And, you know, the difference between buying at 450 and 470 to them um, is sort of insignificant. And, and typically, too, it takes That's multiple crazy. days for these larger um, traders or these larger um you know, other time frame players to be able to build their positions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you get that sort of pattern of multiple days of balance. And then once oh. they've kind of got that position and we're pushing, you know, we, we can kind of leave an area. This price is no longer accepted anymore. Well, they're not going to accept it because, <laughs> because they've got their position kind of going in there. And that, you know, as we start to move away, um, you know, somebody got it wrong. And I think, you know, if we kind of leave the conversation of, um, market auction theory uh, with the fact that, you know, we know we have, we have early adapters or innovators and we have laggards. Uh, mm-hmm. The market's going to move from balance to imbalance. We have the concept of fa- uh, fair value and that point of control. We know that an auction needs to end in excess and that, you know, auctions that have poor or weak highs are sort of incomplete. Um, and then if we kind of take that into 
now we get the idea of generally like, what does it take to move a market? What kind of participants move the market? What does it look like when they're done? What does it look like when they're building a position? Now we can start to look at the tool, the TPO itself, and start to glean some sort of trade ideas mm-hmm. from that. And I think um, the, the best way I can just kind of describe it is, um, you know, and there's, there's multiple different ways to look at balance, but, you know, balance is God. Like it, it comes before, it becomes before all <laughs> setups, uh, you know, like a good God should, could, should come before anything balances God for, for the, the way that markets move. Um, and so, you know, in, in my world, the way I look at some of my setups, if it's not in confluence to the way that the market is currently auctioning, mm-hmm. um, it really needs to either be a super A plus setup or I'm going to be on guard um, for this trade to only be, you know, some version of, of an um, expectancy that it normally would um, basically right. quick on the trigger if I'm fading sort of what the market profile uh, or, you know, the concept of balance is, is telling me. And so, um, you know, in order to do that, you, you kind of have to be able to define balance. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle with using market profile um, and, and really just in trading in general. And that's why, like, you know, you've heard me say a bunch that I like to take me out of the equation as much as possible. If I'm yeah. looking at a bunch of TPOs and I'm trying to decide uh, what a balance area is, uh, you know, does, is it a three days Is it a five day balance? Does this day count? Does that day count? Uh, is this imbalance like that? That's where I start to struggle. And so you know, I think one of the key things that I would suggest is, you know, find out how you want to define balance. And, you know, there's a handful of ways that you can do that, um, whether it's just, you know, the days are overlapping or, you know, some some amount of price. What I do is I I, I just do it strictly by value. And so mm-hmm. if to, if today's value is overlapping at all to yesterday's value, those two days are in balance. And so I'll box them. And so that's my simple way to take me out of the equation is basically balance for me is defined as overlapping value to the right. So, you know, Thursday's value area overlaps Friday's value area, even if it's just by a tick. Those two days are now in balance. And, you know, if if I can define balance as overlapping value, then I can also define imbalance as non-overlapping value. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, I think and that that's sort of the first piece of like define what balance and imbalance means to you or looks like to you, whether you're going to put discretion in there or have like a hard, you know, set of rules like I do, um, you know, define balance. Um, and we're talking strictly on a TPO perspective. Um, you can also define balance from like an event. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know there's, there's uh, like Paul Revere, great trader. Uh, he does balance based upon, you know, basically like a high and a low from sort of an event, whether it's like COVID lows or something like that. And then mm-hmm. he'll start stacking balance. And so let's say, you know, the, the balance area from the COVID lows was like 117 points. Well, he might define that balance as 117 points, and then he just starts stacking them. So there's another way to do that. But again, you know, it's sort of a subset of rules. Um, from a TPO perspective, you know, my suggestion would be, you know, just find a way to define it. Again, I'm using overlapping value to the right and then no overlapping value. It basically would be imbalance. And so once we can define balance and we're kind of comfortable with looking at what a profile looks like, we know what value looks like on our TPO charts. Once we can define balance, we can start to look for different trade ideas and how the market moves from balance to imbalance. And um, I can't reiterate this enough that 
the patterns around the way the market moves from balance to imbalance are so repeatable. And if you go back and you look at a chart, they happen over and over and over and over again. And that's why, you know, I kind of jokingly say that balance is God because it, it it's just something that just continues to happen because it's in and rooted to the core of what market auction theory is. And that's why I, I believe it works so well and why, you know, so many people use it. So I think the million dollar question would be, well, okay, great. What are those, what are those yeah, patterns? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so I define them as basically three core um, trade ideas. And so the first one would be what I call a destination trade. And so a destination trade, um, for example, on an intraday profile would be something like value area low to value area high. Mm -hmm. And so if we are creating our value area for the day, and let's say it's like like today we're in the last period of the day and um you know buyers push up to value area high you know if you go back to sort of some of the auction theory stuff we would expect to see buyers above value area high be aggressive cuz if we're above fair value and we're buying that means we're leaving the price that we thought was fair and we're now willing to pay higher and so mm -hmm. if we get above value area high and there's not aggressive buying and sellers step in and push price back into value, a destination trade would be the concept that if we rejected value area high, we typically will go to value area low. And so that destination trade, whether it's um, a destination from an intraday profile from value area high to value area low, or a multi-day balance, um, is, is really just a key concept in a key trade. And that can even be broken down even further into intraday from like, um, you know, multiple balances inside the day. So, uh -huh. you know, we leave one HVN, we go through an LVN and we go back to the other HVN. Well, if we reject that upper HVN, where are we going to go back to? Well, we're going to go back to the place that we were just at, that we were all happy with the price, right? Right. And so, so those destination trades, whether it's intraday, um, intercession sort of, uh, or across multiple days of balance um, are a very key trade. And so, you know, one of the cool things about market profile is you can make these composite profiles. So you can take two days and make it one big profile and you can see what the fairest price or value area was over multiple days. And so these destination trade ideas um, are, are really key um, understanding that, that when we fail at one, you know, sort of extreme, we can typically go to the other extreme. And you can kind of take that same idea from the inside out. If we're at the point of control or the most traded price and we are leaving that, typically we'll leave that and then go to the other edge. And so if we're trading uh -huh. from the inside out, we're going to trade from point of control to say value area high or low. And if we're trading from the outside in, we're going to trade from value area high or low sort of to the other side. And so there's a handful of different sort of versions of those destination trades. But the main one I would say would be, you know, that journey from value area low to value area high or, or you know, sort of the inverse of that um, or from HVN to HVN. You brought up volume as being the key indicator of whether or not that that high is going to get rejected. And I think I had been looking at volume completely wrong <laughs> when I read the book. And I think we we're talking about this before that you started recording. Like I always looked at volume coming in at like a high as being, oh, shit, sellers are interested now. Look at them all selling. They're going to overwhelm this and push it back down. Whereas that doesn't make much sense when you're thinking about it in terms of auction theory, because if, you, if price is going to be rejected, it means that nobody wants to do business up there. Right. So the more people that are buying at that top, that means that they're actually interested in it. And they think it's a good price. 
Yeah, and they're moving that price way. away. That's exactly it. So they're, you know, they're willing to pay what what they think is a premium, right? So like yeah. if, if you're willing to buy through high of day or value area high and and you think price is going to continue to move higher, you know, like if, if we're trading at eleven thousand six hundred and you think we're getting to eleven thousand seven hundred, well, you know, six hundred's a good deal, six ten's yeah. still an okay deal, six twenty, and you know, I mean it gets to that point where, you know, the buying would typically slow, but if it doesn't, you know, to your point, like that's the kind of activity you want to see when you're leaving an area uh, of value or fair price is mm-hmm. if, if we're breaking through value area high, we, we really want to see aggressive buying. And, you know, if you don't see that, that's, that's kind of bad news, right? Well, that's, that's when you load up your fades. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's what's not supporting the trade. So, you know, again, those destination trades, um, whether they're multiple day profiles, um, intraday profiles, or just like from, you know, one HVN to the next HVN are a key concept and something mm-hmm. that I would certainly suggest watching the way that price can kind of rotate around those um, from a destination perspective, because they repeat over and over again. Um, value very high to value very low, value very low to value very high from, you know, one HVN or the point of control to the next one through an LVN. Um, and just sort of watching the way that price is either accepting in a new area or rejecting that new area and some of the things that happen with that. What about uh, tra- or leaving one balance area to another balance area? Is that another thing that you look for? Is that trade number two? <laughs> Am I segueing for you? <laughs> it, it was a nice segue. That would sort of be a version of this destination trade. Um, mm-hmm. actually took a nice short last night on what I would call like the cave, right? So if you if you get these two HVNs and then in between, like let's say price breaks out from an, uh, an HVN or a value area, and mm-hmm. it creates this sort of like LVN or uh, imbalance, and then it, it accepts a price up higher and also builds more volume up there. So we have an HVN, we have a low, a low uh, volume node or a LVN, and then we have another HVN. Well, if price rejects that upper HVN, you have this big old cave is kind of what I call it. It's like a volume cave. And we will typically trade if we can reject that upper HVN, we will trade sort of through that cave back down to the lower HVN. Um, and so that, that would be another version of a, of a destination trade really is okay. like trading through those caves. Um, they don't always look as, as clear as a cave, but you know, essentially that concept is going just back to trading from balance to imbalance and back to balance. And so we were out of balance at the lower HVN. We imbalanced up. We created a new HVN or a new balance. If we reject that, you know, we go back down to the previous uh, accepted fair price. Um, you know, and if they try to if they try to break back down into that lower uh, balance and they reject that at the LVN, which is a you know a trade you'll hear a lot of profilers take, like risking off this LVN. Um, you know, that that's another thing because now you know that nobody wanted nobody was interested in the prices in between. They, they were interested up at the top. They were interested down in the bottom, but they weren't interested in the middle. Why? And so when you, <laughs> when so you, weird. yeah, so when you come, <laughs> when you come back to that area, I mean, you can expect two things, either a sharp rip through that zone, like a, tr- a destination trade through that cave, uh-huh. or they just never even get through it. They defend that LVN. You know, in this case, let's say we traded from the lower distribution to the higher distribution buyers. When we get to the edge of that, um, upper distribution, they're going to try to defend that low volume note because they don't want price to go back to that lower distribution. They worked hard to create that imbalance and that that note up top. And um, 
I don't want to steal too much of that intraday thunder because um, I, I'd love to have Job come on because um, yes. he is just like the wizard of of the, this concept from a volume perspective, as well as um, just looking at a TPO type profile and the way that um, the volume profile or a TPO profile is showing you how inventory is sort of moving around and how they're redistributing inventory. And I think that would be a great segue potentially into, um, you know, a, a, a future three. episode or episode three um, to get Job to come in and, and really give us some nuances on these intraday profiles and also composite profiles and how the market is moving from these um, uh, HVNs uh, or balances to other ones and what that looks like from an inventory perspective. So uh, kind of tee that up a little bit, but uh, I, I think that's perfect. Uh, put them on the calendar right now and just let them know, <laughs> let them know when he's supposed to show up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll make sure he, I'll make sure he brings the heat. Um, okay. So we have destination trades. The next one is going to be um, the the breakout so mm -hmm. if we if we know that we have balances overlapping value to the right and we'll just assume that you know that's the way i i, I define it so I'll, I'll sort of talk about the patterns in that way yeah. um if we have a multi-day balance when we break out of balance like you just mentioned before and we break out of this balance area um on volume well now we're we have the opportunity to take that breakout trade and anticipate the imbalance that's coming. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a defined balance area high and low, a breakout of balance is a great place to take a trade opportunity. Now, without getting into too much about like where would you define your risk and things like that, the general concept is go find or define or, or define a balance area, whether it's a multi-day balance area, whether it's an intraday balance area. I think the easiest way to do it is to look at like multiple days of a TPO profile, define balance, and then look at what happens when price breaks out of a balance area. I mean, you can just go back to our charts from last week and go look at the eight-day balance. And we had two weeks of balance where price stayed relatively in the same area for two weeks. And when we broke that balance area low, which got tested like three or four times in NQ, what happened? I mean, we're trading basically a thousand points lower than that. And so, you know, that breakout or breakdown trade would be sort of that second category of trade. And, um, you know, again, multi-day balances are probably the easiest way to, to see those trades. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you've got sort of that concept there. Um, so you've got breakouts and breakdowns. You mentioned a, a couple different times about the flexibility of TPO and the markets being fractal. Uh, what's the lowest time frame you would go when using a TPO chart? Like if I wanted to supersize my learning and try to expose myself to as many different of these uh, scenarios, I should be able to uh, decrease the time period of the TPO charts and then be able to watch it on a smaller time frame and see the same information, correct? Um. I mean, in theory, yes, I believe some of the platforms would allow you to do that. Uh, I would actually probably suggest the opposite, going the other oh, really? way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that daily profile with 30 minutes as each period is, is kind of standard. I think it's probably just a really good place to, to start and, mm -hmm. and get your strategies built. Um, when I'm talking about the fractalness of the market, that it's that concept of what balance looks like um, sort of intraday. So like we spent five minutes and price sort of undulated around this area. Um, and then we break out of that area, it, you know, yeah, from like a classic price action perspective, it might look like a bull flag or a bear flag or something uh -huh. like that. Like that would be a version of 
balance on a on a fractal or lower time frame and then when we break out of that you know that's sort of the imbalance as we you know wide bar out of an area and we have sort of that breakout um gotcha. you know so from a fractal perspective that's more what i'm talking about like if you were to look at a five minute chart and just sort of envision if you were to sandwich that together um you know and, and again some of the platforms might actually let you make uh you know a five minute uh profile where a period is five minutes or something like that. And you could do that, mm -hmm. but um, you can kind of just see it looking at, you know, a bar chart, whether it's, you know, 512 tick or five minutes or whatever, it's the same general concept. Better to just go back and look at history. Right. Um, but, you know, going the other way works too. So like um, uh, a weekly profile, a monthly profile, the mm -hmm. same sort of concept, you know, you can have balance over several months um, you know, so if you're a, a long-term investor or, you know, sort of a swing trader, you might be looking at daily profiles as your lowest time frame. Um, but the, the concept of looking at value um, and balance over, you know, from daily and, and sort of weekly and monthly, I think is a great place to start and makes a lot of sense. But Sorry, I don't mean to keep derailing you that you get through uh, trade number three. <laughs> uh, so, so the third version of the trade, um, and this is sort of the last one, is the failed breakout or breakdown. And this can be one of the most powerful trades, I think, that the market kind of offers because it's also a destination type trade. And so one of my favorite patterns is we have a multiple day balance, you know, two days or more, and we peak above that balance area high and we fail and we come back into balance. Mm -hmm. Well, that activates what will typically be a destination trade. And um, I call these multi-day destination trades because it usually takes two or more days and you will traverse from that balance area low to balance area high. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, we just had that happen on uh, Wednesday of last week. And so we, we poked above, we had a two day balance from Monday and Tuesday, the 13th and the 14th of June. Uh -huh. We poked, we poked above and, um, failed above the two-day balance we closed just above the balance area high and the overnight auction got us back into balance and we basically traversed all the way from that balance area high to the balance area low over the course of the next two days um, and with, that was you know 400 something points of that two-day balance and so that's sort of a smaller uh, version of that just a two-day balance but uh, you know, you can see the same thing happened um, in that eight-day balance from last week. They they sort of tried to break balance area low of that. I think at the time it was maybe like a six-day balance. Um, they they had a false breakdown or a breakdown attempt, and when that failed, we we basically took like a two-day journey back to the balance area high. And so those false or fake breakdown or breakdown attempts. Um, and then a reclaim of that balance area activates that multi-day destination trade. And that's the one I think you really, really want to be aware of as well as, um, you know, you, it's just because that one's the one that you can get really caught off sides. We, uh -huh. break a, we break out of a balance and then they go, nope, we're not doing this. <laughs> and when, when they say nope uh, and that, that move was not supported and you're still, you know, trying to take that momentum – and all of the momentum is not going that way anymore. And, and we're going to destination trade back to the other side. That's where you can kind of find yourself in trouble trying to fade those moves. Um, I think it was here. Let's see what day was that? Cause um, 
I love listening to uh, when I have the time FT 71s like morning, uh, little morning meetings. He, I, I wish he did NQ. <laughs> we uh. need like a, we need an NQ 71 <laughs> or something. Um, but anyways, he was, he was warning that um, on six, seven, if we break balance area low and reclaim that, don't be caught short. You don't want to be got caught short. And they did exactly that. They opened a period opened right at balance area low. They traded below balance, rejected it instantly, reclaimed balance area low, and you know basically just ripped and closed at high of day. And over the course of the next two days, um, you know essentially traversed all the way back to what was balance area high. Um, and so, you know, again, that's just a, a, a trade that you really want to be aware of. So, you know, again, to kind of recap, um, you know, we're defining balance. Uh, I define that as overlapping value to the right. And then I box basically the highs and lows of those days. So whatever the lowest low is, whatever the highest high is, that's how I'm boxing um, a TPO chart. And I can, I'll, uh, I'll send you some pictures as well. Okay. Yeah. We'll put those on the uh, description too. So yeah, people can see. Perfect. So, you know, we've defined balance and then we have sort of these three trades that we take in and out of balance or that I watch for that sort of overrule any of the other stuff that we might create levels around or trade theses around. Um, and, and again, the idea here is we've defined balance and we know the way that the auction moves um, around that balance from auction theory and these three trades. We're either going to destination trade from, you know, value area high to value area low, HVN to HVN. Um, basically from fair value to fair value, we're going to break out of a balance area or we're going to break out of a, you know, uh, value area and, or we're going to false break out of those. And being aware of those three things, I think is that like key core foundation that a good trader should be able to understand the way the market is sort of typically moving. And, you know, again, it's because these patterns just repeat over and over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And you see that the market, regardless of what Delta is saying, or regardless of what options flows are and all of that stuff, sure, sure, like there's trade ideas in and of like a ton of different things that you can do. But at the end of the day, the market moves from balance to imbalance. And it's always in some version of, um, you know, an auction process, looking for excess, uh, looking for prices uh, to be fair, and then those fair prices to be no longer uh, deemed fair, moving to imbalance, and then trying to find those new fair prices. And so yeah. I think, you know, again, that that core concept of just really understanding that the ebb and flow of the way the market moves from balance to imbalance and how to read those TPO charts uh, is just a great place to build a foundation and a good first filter um, to, you know, what trades can look like. It's also, I think, would be really <coughs> useful, even if you're not going to trade them, just to be aware of them. Because right. like you said, it should override. Like if I'm looking for a short, but you know, one of your setups just happened and it's saying that, no, don't be short here. Then I, I can at least disqualify a, a, a normal setup that I'd otherwise would have taken. Right. You know, that example from FT 71's, um, yes, you know, morning exactly. show, you know, where he, he, you know, he, I think he straight up said, don't be short. You want to be long. If we reclaim, if we, if we break this balance area low and they reclaim it, you do not want to get caught off sides on this move. Like that's a classic example of understanding the way that markets move around these balance areas. And that was, you know, again, like a, a six day balance at the time. That's big. So these trades are right. going to be even more magnified. Um, you know, being aware of how, or what stage the market's in of this 
version of moving from balance to imbalance um, is is really important. Like knowing that we were going to open right at balance area low was a very important thing to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, being kind of aware of those things um, and just, you know, in general, the, the market auction theory um, is why I believe that this really is a good foundation starting point for people coming into the markets to really understand like, how are these things moving around? And then, you know, whether to your point, like whether you're taking these trade ideas or not, um, just being aware of them so that you don't find yourself, you know, in, you know, I've got this short thesis and you're fading, you know, a, a false breakdown of a nine day balance or something like that. <laughs> right. uh, you know, and you're like, well, why didn't this work? It's like, well, zoom out and take a look <laughs> yeah. um, because, you know, it's just not going to work when, when, you know, this pattern repeats over and over and over and over. Um, so what kind of homework do we have for next month? then if we're going to prepare for Job, job is a job or job 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 like okay. book of job like the book yeah. uh, yep like the book um you know i think taking a deeper dive now that we've had this conversation around um around the auction theory and obviously the book um you know let's let's familiarize ourselves a little bit more with with the tpo chart mm-hmm. um let's let's start to try to define what balance means to us and again um you know happy to put some stuff up that that we can post uh, on how I define balance, um, but again, that's you know, just overlapping value to the right, and you know whatever any days that overlap, those are balance areas, mm-hmm. um, and and then starting to look at um, the concept of sort of like what does a balance look like intraday? So like in HVNs, LVNs, and um, I think that'll get us ready for sort of what will uh, what will likely be sort of a masterclass in uh, volume profiling. And those same concepts will make sense uh, for the TPO as well um, to have Job join us uh, for episode three and kind of look at some of the nuances around what does a profile look like and how can we um, how can we start to glean some information from how they're moving inventory in and around the auction. I like it. All right. So I have defined balance, imbalance, observed prices that moves to and from, familiarize ourselves with the TPO charts, and then an observation, kind of figure out what balance looks like intraday. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And I, I would even go as far as like, see if you can find a few of those examples from the three trade ideas. Um, and and uh, I'll, yes. post, I'll post one of each um, as well um, that we can put up on the website or in the Discord. And um and and just you know go back and just go look. I mean, it's crazy to to go back and look like how often you see these same things happen. Like how important it is to understand the way that these these markets move from balance to imbalance, and you know, kind of hopefully have that aha moment of like, whoa, okay, there's a there's a trend day as we left the balance area. Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, you know, here's here's uh, after we had a couple days of imbalance. Oh, look, you know, here's a very balanced like profile. Um, and so I think, you know, again, uh, you know, define that balance, go back and, and take a look at that. And um, that'll kind of get us ready for, you know, some of the some of the more nuanced things um, that Job that Job can talk, talk to us about, about like the way that these profiles are building and things like that. Um, potentially day types, too. Um, and and again, uh, maybe I can tee Job up to talk a little bit about some of the day types and how based upon um, day types and the way that the uh, inventory is being distributed, we can start to glean some things from, you know, how is the rest of this day going to progress and some things like that. So essentially we'll, we'll jump into some more advanced stuff um, on this same concept from a volume profile and a TPO perspective. 
I like it. All right, are you ready to answer some questions then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, we, we gave one from Joel that was a silly one, but how about we give him a real one? Uh, he wants to know that for the people that are struggling to get through and understand the book that was recommended initially, if there was any other resources or ways to, to learn that auction theory. I think you shared some with him, but I think it's good for anybody else listening. I still remember reading form. that the first time and like having to pause and be like, what in the name of Jesus is this guy talking about? And I, 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 I had to go to YouTube and I think my aha moment for finally understanding this whole concept of market profile was like, I got a, about a third ish of the way through the book and I was like, okay, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. I paused and I went and watched some of his videos on YouTube, which he has a bunch um, and uh, a handful of just like other people who are really good at um, seeing it because I think visualizing the market profile yes. is, is so much easier than trying to read it and, you know, you know, relatively old book. Part of the problem too is trying to flip between the chart and what he's saying. Like they're on yeah. different pages, and you're like, okay, what the fuck? Well, is that and he's mean? got like yeah. the open high-low close bars and stuff like. It's just like, yeah. okay, so <laughs> pause. Go check out some YouTube content on um, like basics of market profile. And I think that's like a really good place because then you'll go, oh, okay, now it's making sense. Like I remember right. reading about like excess and then you go and you're like, you look at a you know video and this guy's pointing out like a very clear M period excess. Like it's just going to make a little bit more sense. So that's what I would do. I would, I would pause. Uh, there's tons of great content um, on YouTube and you probably just search like market profile basics and you'll have that sort of light bulb moment. I think you had something shared on our discord i'll put links to that in the description as well cool yeah. Yeah, um, yeah purdue wanted to know and i think you already mentioned one aha moment but he wanted to know what your your aha moment learning to trade was 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 that it when markets and profile finally clicked in your head it was definitely one it was like one of the early ones of like understanding that i that i'm starting to to build a foundation and i you know i think that's why i wanted to kind of bring this into this conversation of like it, it was my it was my aha moment from like i can build something on just this basic concept of knowing mm -hmm. that markets move from balance to imbalance you know more bigger picture like i think the reality of my aha moment was um really diving into the math of trading mm -hmm. and the stats and sort of understanding that you know after i built this foundation and after i sort of built some trade ideas um and i had areas where i wanted to do business and i knew how i wanted to execute and i knew what my brackets and my risk and all that looked like and then i had stats and then I put those stats into some of those things we talked about in the first um, episode, like the you know, equity curves and understanding uh, bet sizing and, um, you know, Kelly criterion and like how, how much I should be risking. And, you know, mm -hmm. that was kind of like the big aha moment of, um, and I think you're kind of going through that right now, right? Like yep. you've been going oh, yeah. through some of this <laughs> exercise and you, you're actually getting some of these stats from taking a bunch of very disciplined trades off of your ideas and you're now able to plug those in and go, whoa, like this, if I do just this and I manage these stats and I keep a track of like what's working, what's not working or just change nothing uh, and just kind of be on guard, uh, you know, there's, there's sort of a solution to it. Uh, I hate to say that, but, you know, I mean, right. the stats are the stats. Like if you create a process that's repeatable and then you manage those stats and you control your risk. 
um, you know, it's really just sort of a, a law of large numbers sort of after that, and then just managing what you're doing. Like the process won't always work exactly the same. And there's different, uh, you know, vol regimes and things that will change bear markets, bull markets, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, once you understand the math behind your process, mm-hmm. and then what is the feedback loop from those stats? That's like that aha moment, because that really is what gave me the confidence to continue to execute every time I saw one of my setups. Yes. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think the biggest thing for me, though, was figuring out that I needed to define my setups like a computer program. So that way there was no thinking or interpretation on my part. Like I, I tried to take myself out of the equation as, as much as I possibly could to the point where now I could, I should be able to hand a sheet of paper to some, my wife and say, Hey, every time this happens, click take the button. these trades. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, that's a, you know, is that probably where you'll trade in, you know, a few years? No, no maybe not, but, but it's but... a great place to build and yeah. uh, get that foundation and build that confidence. And I think that's, that's the key is like usually scared to click that button, uh, yes. whether you're scared because you don't think your trades as good as it should be, or you don't want to put the risk on, like all of those things are sort of subject to some version of a math problem and mm-hmm. hate to boil it all down <laughs> to a math problem. But you know, when you do all this complex work and then you get a math problem uh, solved and you know that your ideas are, are generating alpha over and over again, then you can, you know, just go to the market and try to find your ideas. And if there's you know, any science so. I want behind my trading plan, I want it to be math. <laughs> there you go. I like it. So yeah, that, that would that would be that would be my aha moment is yeah. is like seeing the math after building a process and then understanding how to test my process and know that it's a winning process or at least you know slightly winning or break even um, or you know, even bad <laughs> and, yeah. and I need to work yeah. on the process. Uh, once, once I was able to define uh, through math, whether or not what I was doing was, was going to work uh, in the long run. Um, that was sort of that aha moment. Awesome. Uh, last question then we have from bear goes long. He would like to know which tools or indicators we can use to determine a day type pre-market and as the auction is progressing. A day type. Yeah. So this is probably one of the most asked questions around market profile. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll touch on it briefly. I think Joe will probably hit on some of this from, from like the way of a profile builds, uh-huh. but essentially from a TPO perspective, I think the core things you want to look at is where you're opening. And so you're either going to open sort of in value. And when I say in value, that's to yesterday's value, uh, in value and in range or out of value and out of range, or some combination of that. So you could open above yesterday's value, but inside of yesterday's price. And that's a great place to start as far as like starting to get an idea of what kind of market participants might be behind a move if we see this on the open. And today mm-hmm. would be a great example of that. So it's um, uh, it's Tuesday, 621, and we opened out of value and out of range. And we saw aggressive buying right on the open. And we got essentially a version of a trend day up. Now, it ended up being sort of a P-shaped profile. Um, and, and we didn't quite get that second push. Um, but still, you know, a, a really nice trade opportunity off the open based upon um, understanding sort of where you're opening. And I think that's probably the key to like the pre-market of those simple check. Are we opening in yesterday's range or out of yesterday's range? Are we opening in yesterday's value and out of yesterday's value? So obviously, if we open out of those ranges and values, we can expect volatility and potentially imbalance. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we're sort of leaning one way or the other. They're either going to, you know, uh, they're going to reject this, this open and go try to fill a gap. Uh, and, you know, that's sort of like where those gap rules come in. Or um, we're going to accept this move away from yesterday's value and range or balance area high. And we're going to aggress higher or lower. And so that kind of goes back to like, you know, what would you expect to see? If we're opening above value and above range and we see aggressive buying, well, let's get on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing that I would look at outside of TPO, we talked about this a bunch of, uh, are we holding RTH view app? Are we holding, uh, RTH mid, um, I think is a huge, um, a huge tool to use to glean whether or not we're going to continue moving higher. Um, cause everybody kind of wants to know, like, is it, is today going to be a trend day? Uh, well, did we open above value and above range and did we hold RTH VWAP and mid on the open? Did we hold opening range uh, low, uh, whether it's a 30 second, one minute? You know, there's a bunch of these little things that you can look at. Um, as far as intraday, that's like a really cool, fun, nuanced thing with profiling that um, you can really start to sort of like get an idea on. And, you know, today would be an interesting version of that as well, because we, we sort of had that A, B and C period breakout where, hey, this could be a trend day. Well, then they just sort of started creating this bigger upper um, HVN and this P-shaped profile. Well, you know, the market now closed and they never broke out of that poor high. But had they broken out of that poor high, we might have seen a double distribution day where mm-hmm. now we get like, say, single prints and say D or E period. And then they, you know, create an upper distribution. And so I think understanding how or sort of like doing these like if then statements on what the profile looks like currently and if we break out above the current high and we single print what would that look um you know so like knowing that we still have an opportunity for a double distribution what does that look like if we don't create this double distribution and you know we sort of reject value area high what would that look like Mm -hmm. um and you can kind of start to get some ideas around um what a day type can progress into and i think that's you know that's sort of an advanced concept but also something that um is worth kind of always being aware of right like if if we were sort of one time framing a b and c period and then we're basing a little bit in d period we're still one time framing higher and then boom they break out and we get single prints through the highs and we start to then build volume up through those single prints well now you know we had an initiative move we we based and then we had another initiative move and now we're accepting or building volume higher mm-hmm. you know each move is sort of progressing higher and being accepted higher and you know you kind of want to be able to be ready for those sort of opportunities and you know maybe on a day like today that looks something like still just holding on to a runner until you know one time framing ends or still holding on to a runner until um you know they break the low of value area or something like that, and still giving the ch- the day an opportunity to evolve into something that you know maybe completes a bigger trade thesis or some of those things. Is there any coincidence that uh, today is ending right in the middle of the previous balance? That <laughs> <laughs> at least on no. the ES, the balance from no. the tenth to the fifteenth. No. <laughs> no, that's not a coincidence <laughs> at all because we've just moved from balance to imbalance and right mm. back to balance. Except um, balance. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, when, when we, when we leave an area that we accepted and we imbalance, you know, I think one thing that the market does a lot is it just goes to, goes to a place it knows. Right. And so, um, 
if we're leaving this price and there was a price that was previously accepted just above us, well, we got to at least go check that out, right? Because mm-hmm. you know we, we came from lower, we imbalanced higher. Well, now we're kind of where we left before. So it was the point of previous imbalance. Um, I actually call those island days, um, you know, which we can, again, I'll, I'll put some examples out there. But um, that, that's just a typical place where you see the market go back to. We leave balance, we go to imbalance, and typically that new balance is usually overlapping some other previously accepted price or that point where we left balance from before. And, you know, it's sort of that circle of life of that journey between balance and balance and back to balance. So, no, not shocked at all to find out that ES is basically right back in an island day. I, I, uh, I appreciate how the balance area lines up with the volume profile so nicely. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, because you typically, I mean, if you're volume profiling, uh, these multi-day balances are going to be like weekly HVNs, monthly HVNs. Yep. And so yeah. I think you'll see a lot of confluence between some of that higher time frame work. Um, you know, I see a lot of confluence between my sort of like uh, swing highs and swing lows trend analysis from like the four hour and, and daily weekly charts. Um, you know, because again, you're, you're finding those, those points where there was a shift in inventory, where there was a shift from an accepted price. And there's a handful of different ways to visualize that. And, you know, I think the TPO just offers like a very obviously visual way to do that using the profile. So excellent. All right. Do we get through everything? I think we covered everything. That was a pretty, pretty good crash course. And I'm by right? no means a market profile expert. So that's okay. We got the expert coming next time. <laughs> Feel free to roast me <laughs> in, the, in the comments on my version of it. But at the end of the day, I think the key is it's a core concept. Find a way to, um, you know, put some structure around how you would use it. It's a useful tool. You know, again, for me, it's that overlapping value. And then, you know, a few patterns that just are, are really repeatable in it. And um, if you choose to dive into some of the more nuanced things with, uh, you know, single prints and one time framing and market participants and, you know, some of the things that you can start to do, then more power to you. But I think just having a general idea of the way that these things work and defining it for you is just a great core foundation before you start diving into some more advanced work later on. I like it. Dan, we got anything else we need to uh, hit before we wrap this up? No, I think I think we, we have a very good base for TPO charts. This is this has been really good. Yes. Uh, I, I think there be a lot of happy people in the Discord. <laughs> I'm a happy person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm just sad they have to wait a week to hear it. <laughs> I kept rereading those the uh, first half of the book thinking it would just click and I wish I just read the whole thing over and over again not kept rereading chapters trying to get them to click. Just just skip to chapter 6. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen to this first and then read the book. <laughs> Yeah, there yeah, you go. That might be easier. That might be way easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. Thank you again, Flary. This is, as always, you are a, a wizard of of the charts and explanation. You do such a wonderful job. I want to thank you again for coming by. A doctor? Uh, I would. <laughs> I would. You. I would issue you a, a PhD. Now, if you could help me with some time travel so I can go back to the 80s and invest in Apple. Yeah, yeah. we'll work on that next. That's episode five. Yeah, episode five. (laughs) (laughs) Why did Biff go with sports? Why didn't uh, anybody go and... (laughs) Yeah, just just long IBM. Well, no, if you go bet like the World Series outsized bets, especially in the 80s, you're probably going to piss off some mobsters. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the stock market, like, you're fine. Like, just... (laughs) 
they'd probably oh, get you man. for insider trading. They're like, we don't <laughs> you know, know if you're doing much. it. Yeah. You just you're you're not losing, so you're you're out. <laughs> anyway, well, you can make some losses just to. Yeah. All right. This is getting out of control. You got to be smart about it. All right, we're we're clearly writing a film, and we got to do that off air. Thank yeah. you again, Flary. This has been fantastic. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. All right. If anybody wants to submit questions for next month's topic, uh, they can join our Discord, or they can just direct message them to us. They can email us at tubals at financialineptitude.com or if you're part of the Orderflow Labs. You can just send a direct message to one of the admin members there, preferably somebody who's actually been on the show so they know what is going <laughs> what on. What the heck we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. So, Flurry or Leo are probably your best bets. <laughs> Spam, delete. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Why is this guy asking me questions about profile? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking around, folks. Uh, we'll be back at you next month. We'll be back to the futures. Uh, but until then, happy trades. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.